electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber looking for a second day of gains as a couple of things now are clicking for the bulls. Nike earnings, J&J Phase 3, House votes on a CR, and a good body of upgrades today. Our roadmap begins with Johnson & Johnson. Investor optimism sending stocks higher as J&J begins Phase 3 of its COVID-19 vaccine. And we, of course, are not going to forget Nike's blowout quarter. An 82% surge in online sales, and the stock is hitting new highs. And finally, Tesla's tumble. Why the street is mixed on what actually came out of the company's Battery Day event yesterday. Uh, J&J, though, Jim, uh, going to be the lead, and you just called it uh, maybe the best company we have in this country. Yeah, look, I think that I like a AAA balance sheet. I like a company that continues to make the numbers, I like a company that pays a good dividend, I like a company that has the best uh, pipeline, uh, most robust pipeline in pharmaceuticals, and I like a company that's not a hype company. And the fact that they are ready to, to, to do their vaccine. Uh, now, Ken, I'd like to play full disclosure. I am attempting to get into the trial. Uh, I think it's everybody's duty in this country to get in the trial. They're the only one that's emphasizing the at-risk people. They're not going to. Uh, they want people who are that we classically view as people who we need to protect. Uh, I don't hear that from any of the other uh, companies. I like the fact that they're willing to give it to the, their whole employee base. This is the way I think, I think it should be done. And I know people are very cynical about vaccines. Uh, I think that if you want the world to go back to the way it was, we need a, a, a successful vaccine. And in the interim, we need antibodies that make it so a therapeutic. Uh, in the meantime, David, you know this. There's got to be a bridge from a successful one. J&J is not going to be rushed. J&J is not going to be bamboozled into putting something out. I think, David, that these guys have the wherewithal to say no, but they also are just another company that we have to bridge to because a real vaccine needs to be out and about before we can declare it safe. Out and about meaning what, Jim? I'm well, sorry. I mean, look, we're, in, it, we're not in a hot spot in New York. OK, let's say you're on a college campus. I would love everyone on some of these college campuses. You can go to the New York Times. You see that there's definite hot spots. I mean, Notre Dame right now, they, they're holding that. Notre Dame's got a very good policy. I'm not don't want to single them out, but I'd like to go there. I'd like to go to any sports, uh, any sports league where I, where I think we're all worried about uh, anybody who's playing football, David. And I think that that's who I want. I want at risk people to take it. We're not really at risk as much because we just go. We don't do anything. We're not uh, in the subway. We're not trying to get to work. In, no, but I'd like to be. I think we'd all well, like yes, to be in the city of New York. But and we other, won't be until we get a vaccine, We'd all like to be back to at real levels of activity. And so you want to get into as many hands as you possibly can as quickly as you can, right? We want to get out of Groundhog Day. Yeah, hey, what do. are you doing today? Going to work. What are you doing um, after work? Going home. I know. I, I mean, I, Sorkin I, doesn't even know what day it is. It's Wednesday, by the way. Hump day is what we like to call it. Well, I just think that I, I regard J&J as one of the foremost companies, and I care about a company that can stand up to anybody. It can. It can. I, listen, I don't want to forget, by the way, J&J has come a long way in so many ways, but there was a period of time when back in, let's call it 2000, mid-2000s, Bill Weldon era, it was not going particularly no, well for J&J. When you talk about it being a great company, it is, without a doubt. But it also had one of the largest healthcare fraud settlements in U.S. history, criminal and civil fines. It covered allegations they marketed Risperdal and other prescription drugs for use not as approved as safe and effective by the FDA. Sorry to bring it up, but I think sometimes well, it is I mean, worth bringing it up in jail, we but say it's fabulous. the greatest I mean, company in the U.S. Look, there there are different administrations. I happen to think that, that Mr. Culp is trying to solve the problem at GE, that the previous problems were not his. I think that, that when we look at Home Depot, Duly noted. We look what and, Mr. Blake did. The right. previous, no I no think, doubt. And, with, and Alex Gorski has moved on. They have, they have moved away from that era, but it was not a good one for J&J. No, it was, and obviously yeah, this would it was be a, bad era. The a great The Risperdal problems, the right. mesh problems were awful. Yeah. 
And um, I'm not I'm not excusing them. They're not perfect by any means. But I think that they have the, when I dealt with the sign, when you call them, they will let you speak to the scientists and the scientists have a real bead on what needs to be done. And I've spoken to the scientists. I found the scientists to be compelling in what they want to do. But more importantly, they're not going to be pushed around. And I think the big problem in this country, Carl, I think the big problem is that we fear these companies are being pushed around. I saw what the CDC yep. is erratic. Uh, I, I saw Secretary yep. Zarr quoting Dr. Redfield. I frankly don't want to, any of these people to have anything to do with my health because I think that they all want to win the election. Sorry, doctors, uh, but I think that you're captured. Well, your, your concerns, Jim, are reflected in the Pew Research numbers, which we got yesterday. The percentage of those polled who say they either probably or definitely would get a vaccine if it were available today has gone from 72 back in May to 51 now. I mean, that's, that's just an erosion of confidence uh, in public health. That's just terrible. We have to get everybody to take these. You can't. Oh, a vaccine only works if everybody takes the vaccine. OK, I mean, now we have masks. Uh, the, the president hates we ever see him in a mask. He was like like twice in a mask. We I mean, Secretary Azar was asked point blank. Would you have a mask mandate? And he immediately starts talking about the areas that don't need a mask. Hey, I'm sorry. If you can't social distance, you need a mask. Those are the only things. We, they're pathetic. He said, wash hands, wear masks. I mean, these are uh, 200,000 people died because we're just washing hands and we're wearing masks. We need the vaccine. The 200,000 people, David, they're, should we mention them? Of course. They, they died. Yes, they did. And what did they die from? COVID. And did it go away? No. And it's just going to go away in the fall? No. And are things better than ever? No. Thank you. Um, next witness. Uh, next witness will tell you that this ensemble <laughs> trial is going to enroll 60,000 volunteers across three continents. So it's an enormous number. I think Jim shared it with us a couple of days ago as well. Uh, and to your point, Jim, they are going to be committed to transparency and sharing information related to the phase three study. They even include the study protocol in their press release, which you can go to. We did speak, guys, to uh, or the squawk crew spoke to Scott Gottlieb, of course, former FDA, um, head of the FDA, about concerns around this emergency usage and whether or not it would somehow be approved for emergency use prior to the election. We're taking a listen to Dr. Gottlieb. I think the reality is there's not going to be uh, an emergency use authorization before the election, just if you look at the timing of when data could be available in the most optimistic scenario, and then the fact that it would take the FDA at least two to four weeks to turn around an EUA. The reality is that an EUA for this vaccine isn't going to look like an approval. What it's going to look like is a continuation of the clinical trials where we make it available for very select groups of patients and continue to collect data in some kind of registry. So you do get it into the hands of or into the arms of people who need it, Jim, the most early on. Uh, I love but that. again, we come back to what, mid 2021 uh, for when we really can expect more uh, broad inoculation. Well, you can't. Where are you going to get COVID right now? You're going to search for COVID. We need to have people have the regular lives. Half the arms are the wrong thing anyway. Right. You're in the placebo. Don't be in a real hurry to get that. Mm -hmm. But we don't know. Uh, I just think that we need there are a lot of tests going on, and that's good. Uh, but I, if, of all the things that I've heard, even more than J&J, &J, it was David Ricks on Mad Money on Monday talking about the therapeutic, that when there's an outbreak of COVID at a nursing home, which is, remember, 40 percent of the people who have died of the 200,000 are in nursing homes. Outbreak, they bring the RV. They have been giving people medicine, and it has seemingly stopped, quelled the outbreak. And, you know, Carl, we have to understand that we need to quell the outbreak before we do the vaccine. And I think that a quell the outbreak, Eli Lilly, is routinely ignored by people, and it's a mistake, but it's really more important than the vaccine because a good vaccine we won't know about until at least six months. So I, I like what Lilly's doing. Yeah. Lilly doesn't get – Lilly's not a promoter. OK, David Ricks is not a promoter, but they did the best thing. They did the best in migraine. They've got an unbelievable cancer franchise. They have a great diabetes franchise. And I think because they're in Indiana, along with the Colts, no one's paying attention to them. Yeah, no, I like the way I like the way you're framing it, Jim, that 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 there are stepping stones between now and the middle of next year when we yes. might get broad authorization and distribution. I mean, listen, Mnuchin yesterday in the hearing talked about the Abbott test. You're talking about antibodies. You're talking about uh, therapies. Because it's, it's going to be a wait. It's going to be a long wait. It's going to feel like a long wait anyway. Yeah, Abbott was hoping, I was hoping to have uh, millions of their tests. Uh, they, the article today in the paper said that they're not ready yet. Uh, I, th I found that Abbott's often misquoted, so I'm going to get to the bottom of that. But, you know, we, you know, we have Gary Kelly on today. 
And Gary Kelly is really at the front line. He's the CEO of Southwest Air. And where is the problem in this country? People are afraid to travel, afraid to fly. Uh, And I think Gary Kelly, I bet you he offers a novel method about how to be sure, David, that if you fly on Southwest Air, you feel pretty good. Well, they need to, uh, because we know the struggles that the airlines are having, Jim. Uh, They continue to, of course, also hope that they're going to get some form of new aid from the federal government, which remains very much unclear. Right. As does even more so, of course, broader aid, so to speak, for for small businesses uh, and states and municipalities. And we can go on and on. I mean, but but look, they were doing continuing resolution yesterday. I mean, they're not focused on what we're focused on. It was TikTok, which means buy fastly if they get that, by the way, buy Walmart, buy Oracle, and then now continuing resolution. I, I think the idea of the millions of people unemployed, we can put that on hold. It does appear that's the case. It's on hold. Yeah. Right, because it's, it's not. Whatever. Yeah. Carl, it doesn't seem likely at this point. I mean, easy to say. You never know. Things can change quickly, but it doesn't appear likely we're going to get anything out of Congress before election. Um, certainly not. I mean, it was uh, encouraging, though, to get the House vote on the CR, and, and that will go to the Senate now. Uh, it was interesting, I thought, Jim, that Mnuchin did say the administration does support uh, not just the repurposing of that PPP money, but another stimulus payment. I mean, as much of a pipe dream or, or a windmill as that may seem right now. That has to be done. It has to be I, Look, I've, I, it is not clear what it takes to get that done. Uh, but when it gets cold, we're going to have the next group of people fall off the radar screen, which are the 14 million people. And now I'm talking about the family members included who are involved in the restaurant business. Uh, not everybody can be Lib Bernadette, where I obviously I heard from Eric Repair yesterday. They're going to be ready to roll September 30th. David, we'll go there or maybe we'll even take our wives. I don't know if that's efficient, but there are very few restaurants that have the means to be able to have what's so funny. I mean, we have Darden report this week and Darden can afford to not have people in the restaurant. Chipotle can afford. But the average Italian restaurant in my neighborhood, if they don't have people inside and it's 20 degrees out, they're not going to sit outside in coats and wait for the the veal parm. They're not. They're not. And it's a huge issue for all of these small businesses. Uh, And certainly you can see it when you walk around. Not necessarily some some neighborhoods more than others. Those dependent on tourists and or business uh, business lunch, business dinners. Um, You know, though, speaking of changes in behavior, Carl, and direct to consumer, we do got to get to Nike, don't we? Um, Because those numbers were so strong. Uh, Of course, we mentioned it uh, at the top of the show. Market share gains across all geographies. And they did really benefit as well from direct to consumer, Carl. The numbers were nothing short of extraordinary. We see a stock that's going to be up 11.5%. What a conference call. What a quarter. Yeah, Jim, between that and J&J, it's going to help the indices. Um, I I, I see uh, even those who are doubting going in, I think Deutsche Bank is going today from 107 to 151. So we're seeing a lot of people get religion on it today. Yeah, well, it's funny. I I, I don't think you could ever have predicted that. I would argue that they should have pre-announced, frankly, uh, that acceleration digital, 83 percent acceleration in digital. I mean, that's extraordinary. How about North American? People thought they were going to do 3.4 billion. They did 4.2 billion. Women gaining share. uh, No, some of this stuff was just was not hyperbole. No one can match our pace. I like that one very much. It was it was a tour de force quarter. And one of the things that I found about Nike it does not need a vaccine. I mean, that's how I put it. I'm going to talk about that tonight on Mad Money. David, there are companies that need a vaccine and the ones that don't need a vaccine. Of course, they had 6% growth in China. They were down a couple percent in the United States. But they don't need a vaccine because they have direct-to-consumer, and it's really good. Macy's picked up 4 million new customers because of the vaccine, uh, no vaccine. Uh, Jeff Kinnett on last night. We'll talk about that later. But you need to find out comp- what companies need a vaccine and what companies don't. And that's going to be the divide. That's the Grand Canyon, David. And it, and it has been the divide in the market as well. Of course, we talk about it all the time. And then we also talk about the greater divide, which is sort of the real economy versus what we see reflected on our screens. You mean like day. the Tesla economy? Yeah. Well, we'll talk Tesla in a bit. There was a fresh bearish pick that read back. positive this morning. I know. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, it's oh, must. 20 million. It has 20 million batteries he's going to be able to do in 2030. It's not that well so far, battery day. But, uh, Jim, uh, let, back to Nike. Everything wait. seems to be working well for them, as you say. Direct to consumer right. is so robust. And the fact that people are staying home and not putting on suits anymore and they're wearing casual wear, that's also helpful, that trend. I thought that hurt Stitch Fix, frankly, but we have to argue that back and forth. Okay. I always like arguing back and forth. We're going to get to... 
Well, we're going to get to Nike among a lot of the upgrades today, in addition to Twitter uh, and uh, Tesla and CSX. Uh, in addition to what uh, Tesla said last night and how the street's pretty split on that this morning, although futures look good on uh, after that bounce on Tuesday, we're back. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. In a moment. Tesla's down in the pre-market after its much-anticipated battery day. At that event, Elon Musk said his big goal was to drive down battery costs, but he adds that the technology to make that happen will take some time. To be clear, it will take us probably a year to 18 months to start realizing these, uh, these advantages, and probably to fully realize the advantages, probably it's about three years or thereabouts. All right, so Jim, streets a bit split today on, regardless of how much time it takes, the fact that it would happen at all uh, could improve volume and margins. Others are saying that even though that's a long-term story, near-term, there's not many catalysts to drive the stock. Well, look, I, I think that you're, you've got this process by which the stock is up really big ahead of battery day, and then he delivers what? I mean, Phil LeBeau sent me some terrific stuff. He delivered targeting 56% drop in the cost of battery cells. That matters tremendously, but we, we were talking about the million-mile battery. What a setup that, that almost nobody could possibly deliver. Uh, and the 20 million vehicles, a lot of people have been talking about the idea that one day he could do 20 million, so therefore that's a lot more than Toyota, so therefore you could justify the valuation. We've got analysts, uh, we got fresh pair. Uh, pick bear. We got people who say, "Listen, it's finally come down. You want to be it." Here's the way I look at it, Carl. I think if you like Tesla before, you like Tesla after, and if you didn't like it before, you don't like it after because it's Elon Musk, and you're <laughs> betting on Musk. And I wish there were more to it, David. The, the, Musk is Musk per share. Okay, it's Musk per share. Yeah, but it's funny to listen to him sort of underpromising. In Wasn't a way. that interesting? Yeah, I mean, lack of hyperbole. Well, the 20 unless, million cars is kind of Yeah, and by the way, one of his more interesting things, Jim, was his saying that he's confident they can make a compelling $25,000 electric vehicle that is also fully autonomous. I mean, that could be a game changer. I think that 25 grand for, for a full EV autonomous vehicle in three years? Well, Phil's talking about how low they can really uh, lower the price of this. But, yes, that would be a real game changer. And, of course, it would also make the skies cleaner. Uh, it could do a lot. And, you know, Carl, I think that there's a lot of people still excited that he's, that he's a bit like Henry Ford, okay? He gets the cost down. Uh, it pays the workers okay, and everybody does better. I, I don't know. I still yeah. – I'm a believer you, in the guy. This is not Nikola, okay? This is not Nikola. Right. This is Tesla. It's not a truck but going down We're talking down supply hill. again. No, but again, we're talking about supply, and you keep referencing the Baird, uh, fresh bearish pick. And part of their point is that they're just worried about the consumer in a recessionary environment. How does that play in? Well, I think it's a good piece because I, I think that Tesla is somewhat recession-proof, uh, not re- recession-resistant. That's the new term. Companies are either recession-resistant or recession-proof. I like the piece, the bear piece, because it, it does present the negatives uh, and, and the positives. It's a price target boost, by the way. And I always find, David, when they do boost, boost the price target, you have to be more positive than negative. David, I'm over here. Yeah, Hi. and not the only one, Jim. Uh, Goldman, 295 to 400. Yeah. And then uh, Deutsche, 400 to 500. So there's a few uh, that are definitely going up. When we come back, uh, Southwest Gary Kelly, among the airline CEOs uh, who urged Congress to provide more COVID relief to his industry. We'll talk to him in a few moments. Don't go anywhere. We have a long way to go to recover. Uh, The first CARES Act 
kept this country out of a depression. Yeah. And I think the only mistake uh, that, that uh, was made is it just didn't go far enough and long enough. So um, we're, we're obviously here supporting the airlines and our people. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Tesla's down in the pre-market after its much-anticipated battery day. At that event, Elon Musk said his big goal was to drive down battery costs but he adds the te technology to make that happen will take some time. To be clear, it will take us probably a year to 18 months to start realizing these, uh, these advantages and probably to fully realize the advantages, probably it's about three years or thereabouts. All right, so Jim, street's a bit split today on, regardless of how much time it takes, the fact that it would happen at all uh, could improve volume and margins. Others are saying that even though that's a long-term story, near-term, there's not many catalysts to drive the stock. Well, look, I, I think that you're, you've got this process by which the stock is up really big ahead of battery day, and then he delivers what? I mean, Phil LeBeau sent me some terrific stuff. He delivered targeting 56% drop in the cost of battery cells. That matters tremendously, but we, we were talking about the million-mile battery. What a setup that, that almost nobody could possibly deliver. Uh, and the 20 million vehicles, a lot of people have been talking about the idea that one day he could do 20 million, so therefore that's a lot more than Toyota, so therefore you could justify the valuation. We've got analysts, uh, we got fresh pair... Uh, pick bear. We got people who say, listen, it's finally come down. You want to be it. Here's the way I look at it, Carl. I think if you like Tesla before, you like Tesla after. And if you didn't like it before, you don't like it after because it's Elon Musk and you're <laughs> betting on Musk. And I wish there were more to it, David. The, the, Musk is must per share. OK, it's must per share. Yeah. But it's funny to listen to him sort of under-promising. Wasn't that interesting? Yeah, I mean, lack of hyperbole. Well, the 20 unless, million cars is kind of Yeah, and by the way, one of his more interesting things, Jim, was his saying that he's confident they can make a compelling $25,000 electric vehicle that is also fully autonomous. I mean, that could be a game changer. I think that 25 could be. grand for, for a full EV autonomous vehicle in three years? Well, Phil's talking about how low they can really uh, lower the price of this. But, yes, that would be a real game changer. And, of course, it would also make the skies cleaner. Uh, it could do a lot. And, you know, Carl, I think that there's a lot of people still excited that he's, that he's a bit like Henry Ford, okay? He gets the cost down. Uh, it pays the workers okay, and everybody does better. I don't know. I still, yeah. I'm a believer you, in the guy. This is not Nikola, okay? This is not Nikola. Right. This is Tesla. It's not a truck but going We're talking downhill. supply again. Yeah. No, but again, we're talking about supply, and you keep referencing the Baird, uh, fresh bearish pick. And part of their point is they're, they're just worried about the consumer in a recessionary environment. How does that play in? Well, I think it's a good piece because I, I think that Tesla is somewhat recession-proof. Uh, not re recession resistant. That's the new term. Companies are either recession resistant or recession proof. I like the piece, the bear piece, because it, it does present the negatives uh, and, and the positives. It's a price target boost, by the way. And I always find, David, when they do boost, boost the price target, you have to be more positive than negative. David. I'm over here. Yeah, Hi. and not the only one, Jim. Uh, Goldman, 295 to 400. Yeah. And then uh, Deutsche, 400 to 500. So there's a few uh, that are definitely going up. When we come back, uh, Southwest Gary Kelly, among the airline CEOs uh, who urged Congress to provide more COVID relief to his industry. We'll talk to him in a few moments. Don't go anywhere. We have a long way to go to recover. Uh, the first CARES Act kept this country out of a depression. Yeah. And I think the only mistake uh, that, that uh, was made is it just didn't go far enough and long enough. So um, we're, we're obviously here supporting the airlines and our people. 
There's a lot jammed into this Wednesday session. You got some fangs red, but overall, the Dow's going to benefit from Nike and Johnson & Johnson. Tons of Fed speak today, including Powell again in front of a House Select Subcommittee on COVID response and some PMIs in about uh, 30 minutes. We're back in a moment. We'll start trading four minutes from now on what Jim and I like to call hump day. Little General Mills for you today on the Mad yeah, Dash? I like the quarter. I know there's some people who uh, jumped at it initially and took it north of 60. That's a mistake. It's just a very good quarter. Uh, they, two things I really liked is they reduced the debt leverage. And then, David, this has always been a, a company that grows earnings slowly and grows dividend slowly. But the dividend grows, and there they are. They raise their dividend. They're at 51 cents, and it gives you 3.5% yield. And I want you to think about General Mills versus a bond, okay? This is a bond with growth. They're back in their old ways of doing things. Now you can say, well, wait a second. It's all stay at home. No, no. They're just taking share in a lot of different businesses. And I think this. there have been a lot of fear that the great, you have a dog, that this blue buff, uh, which is what we feed our dogs because we're, we're good people. Uh, our dog. Yeah. Sorry. Shouldn't have said that. I know. Uh, Jeff Harmoning doing a terrific job, and I really like it. Uh, lots, of, lots of different categories they're taking share. Food at, hem, at home is obviously terrific. North American retail plus 14%. Uh, cereal up 10%. And the dividend growth, I just like it. I think the General Mills is the kind of thing you can recommend to your friends. Uh, stock has done fine. Natural health, I mean, organic, are they moving, continuing to move in that area? Is uh, it enough? As, uh, not as much. But, you know, people are baking at home, David, and you could argue that uh, baking at home is natural and organic as it is. Uh, the, the ones that are really doing well, Cheerios, uh, Blue, Haagen-Dazs, sorry, can't eat that. You'll play Pillsbury. See, Pillsbury's what, you know, come on. Pillsbury's what people use. Old El Paso, Mexican continues to be terrific in this country in terms of the growth. Whatever you have that's Mexican, that's Mexican. So anyway, repeat rates are good. I know that people fear that when you get a vaccine, this won't be as strong. Uh, snack bar's not good, but I think it will be. General Mills is back. I'm putting it in the, its back category. All I need to hear is haagen I don't know about you, Carl. I have no willpower when it comes to haagen unlike Jim, apparently. None. Uh, you know. I don't know about you, David, but I'm guilty for the comp. I'm, I'm <laughs> largely guilty for the haagen comp. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, David, I just feel like that when I look at what this market is giving me, I'll take a food stock. I'll even take B&G Foods, which, um, by the way, owns Green Giant that General Mills gave away to them before realizing that millennials like the frozen food aisle because it represents a great bargain. We're so far from that, David, that I don't know what to say. We're so removed from what millennials do. And Gen X, I mean, what are we, I don't know what they do at all. I don't know what they do. I don't do they play video they games? What do they do? I don't, I don't they know. TikTok? Are they the TikTokers? No, no, I don't. I get confused with them all. I'm so old, I have no idea who, what is. Anything. TikTok. Millennials, yeah. Gen X, Gen Z, Gen Y. Do they brush their teeth? Do they wear deodorant? Say again? Do they wear deodorant? <laughs> I think so. I don't know. Uh, all right, you know, uh, good time to transition, Carl, to the broader market as we get ready for that opening <laughs> bell. Um, Jim, any concern about the banks, which continue to have a not particularly good time of it? I'm sorry? Yeah, the banks. I, I hate the banks. You do, don't you? Well, I mean, they kind of go down every day, and they yes, come they on. Do. They always talk about people should come back to work. I don't know. How about giving us profit? I don't care where you go. I mean, I don't care where you work. I like earnings. This group is obviously so troubled. And one of the things I've been doing, David, is look at the – have you looked at the book value of the European banks? Not lately. Okay, well, it's a joke. Obviously, the European banks, no one believes the book value. And now it's coming home to roost in our country. No one believes the book value. If they did, these stocks would be substantially higher. Yeah. And Wells Fargo, uh, Charlie Scharf, is, uh, he's got his work cut out for him. They're still, like, they're still after the old execs. It never sees then. There's no bell for the old execs. Well, he's getting kicked around a lot today, Jim, on this uh, memo. Uh, regarding the availability of black talent yes, he in is. the banking industry. Um, there's the opening bell. At the big board, it's plant-based food provider Laird Superfood celebrating an IPO. At the NASDAQ, it's digital healthcare platform uh, GoodRx celebrating its own IPO. Companies ranked 20 on this year's CNBC Disruptor 50 list, and we're going to talk to the co-CEO uh, later on this hour. To David's point, Jim, I, I did want to check back with you on Monday's uh, low of uh, 32.30, which was prior support earlier in the year, the June high, 10% off the recent high, 
And as Santoli said this morning, is that a good working low, do you think, at this point? Well, I thought it was because what happened beyond belief for me was that everyone discovered, wait a second, we got to start selling fat. And yet Apple was down 25 percent at one point. And all these stocks were down dramatically in in double digits. And I think that I went over. uh, Thank you, Gina Francola, for this. I went over the stocks of Cisco, Intel and Qualcomm. 1998 to March of 2000. Not one of them had that kind of decline. Remember, we were all thinking that 1999, that's the analogy. And so, therefore, uh, it's going to be a disaster. If you look at those stocks, they just were straight up. Okay, there was a little bit. There was like one day where Intel was down a little bit. But this is not 1999 because you did not get that kind of breathtaking quick sell off that I think was the sell that refreshes. There's you can get niggling little stuff, you know, a couple day or two in 1999. But you never had this kind of wholesale just whacking. And I think that actually bodes positively. Now, I had Larry Williams uh, doing his work. He's, he's a great technician. He's saying we're, we could be poised for a major bottom between here and October 20th. That's not that far away. So I, I, I think we're going to be sidelined to positive after what happened Monday. And, you know, when we were down 900, I was saying this is your chance. So um, I wasn't um, I was OK. You were. So the pause that refreshes okay. as opposed to uh, something that is uh, impending doom. Yes. Yes, David, that is exactly right. The pit and the pendulum kind of. OK. All right. We're not in the pit. So you're, I mean, NVIDIA, which you've loved for years, buy it here? Well, I mean, I said buy it at 100, so it's, like, difficult to buy it up here. Uh, uh, If they get the arm deal, yes. But you have to tell me whether the arm deal closes, David. It's in your world. Listen, I mean, you know the the questions there come back to China, which we haven't perhaps talked, we haven't talked about at all today, and whether they'll get the necessary approvals they need from China. They've navigated that market before with the Mellanox transaction. It did take quite a while, but they did get the uh, antitrust approvals. uh, And, yeah. They get, if they get that deal. character is Jensen Wong. He certainly is. Yeah. If if Jensen gets that, the stock goes to 600. It's just unbelievable. You think it's a very strong deal for them, oh, despite these concerns? It's, it's, no, it's not. So, it's despite fantastic. those concerns about competitors who potentially oh. won't be y- using them as often because they now will control arm. Think bigger. Okay. Okay. Carl. Uh, guys, uh, travel stocks looking pretty good this morning. We do know that the White House uh, did signal yesterday that it would support additional relief. Uh, for the industry to help it avoid uh, further furloughs and layoffs. With us this morning in a CNBC exclusive is the CEO of Southwest Airlines, uh, Gary Kelly. Gary, it's great to have you back. Good morning. Great to be with you all. So we've heard this a couple of times uh, this week from the White House encouraging Pelosi to send a standalone package of aid. Uh, We watched a tape of you in front of the White House from uh, last week, I think it was. Do you feel like that visit is bearing some fruit? Yeah, I was encouraged. Um, I think we pretty much know what you all know. You know, the, uh, there, there's an impasse, um, and we're just obviously hoping that uh, a, a, a larger COVID bill will move uh, with a, uh, a payroll support aspect, uh, you know, continuing for the airlines. There's very broad support uh, to avoid furloughs in the airline industry and um, extend the payroll support program through the end of March. So we're very hopeful that they can come to an agreement and get that passed and help the economy and uh, obviously help the uh, travel industry. How do you feel about where we are going, getting into October versus what we thought October might look like when that initial package was passed? Are you, are you disappointed either in uh, the way in which you've been able to conserve cash or the way in which traffic has rebounded or not rebounded at this point? Oh, wow. You know, you go back to March, April, and we just did not know. And, uh, you know, I, I for one, and, 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 and for many of us, we're, you know, we're very hopeful that this would be a very quick uh, recovery, and it's proved not to be. And I think it's very clear that until we get to a vaccine and then we get to herd immunity and then behaviors begin to change back towards normal, uh, we're, we should expect more of what we're seeing right now. Our business is down uh, versus a year ago 70%. Um, I, I was concerned about that back in uh, March, April. Uh, certainly we're doing better today than we did then, but we've been pretty stable in terms of, uh, you know, a week-to-week business for about the past two months. 
So there's no reason to believe that things are going to improve anytime soon. Um, is that disappointing? I think we're all ready for this to be behind us, but uh, realistically, it's not surprising. We've got a pandemic and we've got a ways to go. On the cash side of things, I'm very proud of our people. I think they've done a great job in terms of raising money, managing our spending, cutting costs. Um, our people are producing a great product and uh, the customer experience is phenomenal. We're getting great feedback there. So in terms of the things that are the most important, uh, which is take care of our people and take care of our customers, I give us an A+. Uh, we've got almost $15 billion of cash in the bank as we speak and uh, the payroll support has basically kept us neutral, if you will, for the past two quarters. Uh, absent that, we would have lost um, $3 billion in cash, if not more. So it would be very helpful going forward over the next six months and hopefully put us in a position uh, where we can get past this. Oh, Garrett's Jim, always good to see you. I'm glad to see, to see you. you smile. You were starting to bum yeah. me out there with that negativity. That's not the Gary <laughs> Kelly I know. Come on, you're a upbeat guy. You're a winning coach. All right, so I've got this thing uh, on my, uh, my phone. It's called Navica, all right? It's the uh, Abbott uh, ID Now test. And I am hoping, first of all, I think planes are incredibly safe, much safer than buildings, much safer than elevators. You should, I say that, and I wish an airline exec would say that. Second, um, this Navica is going to be able to t say that I'm good for the day. So you swipe it when you walk in, when you go on down the gangplank, and you either let me on or not. So why do we need a vaccine when we can have ID now in the next couple of months? Uh, I'm just trying to do this to cheer you up because you're, you're bumming me out a little. <laughs> Well, of course, ultimately, no matter what technique we use, we need consumer behaviors to change. Uh, things need to trend back to normal. But no, I, I'm a huge fan of testing it. It just needs to be something that can be commercialized and, and can be put into production. Uh, and I think you have a great idea there. In the meantime, you've got to wear a mask. You have to socially distance. Your, your point about air, airplane cabins is accurate. The air in the, in the cabin is very, very clean, and with the HEPA filtering system uh, in particular, and all the cleaning protocols that we use. So, yeah, there is a way to manage through this pandemic. That does not mean that consumer behaviors will change. So we'll continue to offer a great product and look for those kinds of opportunities. But we need to, we need to break the back of the pandemic, ultimately. That's, that's what is going to get us all back to normal. I will, uh, this may be a thin read, but there's a pretty good article in the journal about how some airlines have been able to uh, make, make things up with freight. Uh, has the e-commerce just deluge helped Southwest at all? It, yes, but um, and no airline has had the drop in passenger revenues offset by cargo. It doesn't remotely come close. Uh, our, again, our business is down 70% year over year, and our cargo business has held pretty steady. It's off somewhat from a year ago, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice bit of business, but overall it's about 1% to 2% normally. Uh, so those folks do a great job. Uh, the, our cargo customers love Southwest, but uh, we can only do so much uh, with that. So it's been a nice offset, but we, we need the passengers to come back. And that's our focus. Yeah, Gary, on that note, and it's David, by the way, um, you know, hearing you say down 70 percent, you stabilized it down 70 percent is a pretty stark reminder of just what's going on in this business. Right. And I, I just wonder um, how much more do you need to cut in terms of capacity if you don't get additional aid from the federal government, given we don't know when normal comes back? I can't tell you if it's three months from now, six months from now or a year from now. How are you looking at the future in that way if you don't get additional funds? There's no easy path uh, for any airline to go back to what amounts to 1970s levels of traffic. Believe it or not, that's basically where the industry is domestically, 1970s. So it's very difficult to radically restructure the airline uh, to reduce capacity that much effectively. Uh, we can reduce capacity by 50%. But that doesn't mean that we will reduce our overall cost by 50%. And I picked 50 relative to the business being down 70 because at a point, if we cut our flights too much, then we cut a lot of itineraries and the revenue loss accelerates uh, much faster than uh, the, the cost cuts do. So we have to strike the right balance there. Right now, our rule of thumb is to cut our capacity about 40 to 45%. 
And then the network that remains is still very robust. We're the largest airline in the country. We have the most seats to the most places, uh, and we still have very good itineraries. They may not all be nonstop, but at least we can get you from point A to point C right. uh, and in a reasonable time. Well, the prospect of further cuts, though, does get the attention of Congress people and senators, particularly in you know, areas that may not be that well served by other carriers. I mean, is that enough to sort of move the balance of power in your favor in terms of getting an aid package? You know, the, I think everyone is concerned about that. I think everybody believes that the airlines are essential. And I say that with all humility because um, I think that all sectors are essential and all the jobs are important. Uh, it's just my job to take care of Southwest Airlines. And so I, I concede that. But uh, yes, people want service. And I think we all, we all know that an important component of the recovery is being able to have air service for future travel. Business travel has really been uh, significantly cut, and I think it's going to take a long time for it to return. So in the meantime, we're more dependent upon the consumer than ever, uh, and they want to fly, they want to travel, and if we don't have the flights, they won't have any way, they won't have any way to get there. So it's, it's a catch-22 right now because uh, the, the demand doesn't match the supply. But, uh, yeah, I think everybody is concerned about losing service to communities. We have not cut any routes off of our network in the domestic system. As you know, there's been international uh, cities where s service has been suspended uh, for a variety of reasons. But uh, we're determined not to do that. But, yes, if we, if we continue to face quarterly losses like we would have had without the payroll support, then we'll have to continue to be creative and, and try to find ways to mitigate those losses. And yes, that could include cutting service. Right now we're doing the opposite, as you know. We've announced service to Miami. Uh, we've announced service to Palm Springs. And our theory there is we may not be able to get a lot of depth in individual city pair markets that we currently serve because the traffic is off so much. But if we can add new destinations, we can pick up new customers or take our existing customers to new places and, and thereby generate more revenue and more cash. As long as we're covering the cash costs of those flights, that's a wise move, and we think that uh, we can do that. One last thing, Gary. You know, I know someone who's flying southwest today, Denver, New York, and they're going through St. Louis on the way here and Nashville on the way home. Do you see that being a nonstop a year from now? Oh, gosh, their network is just radically changed, uh, you know, versus a year ago. If it's been down uh, close to 60% at times. I mentioned our rule of thumb right now is to have it down about 40%. And when we do that, there are a lot of nonstop um, uh, flights that have been eliminated and replaced by one-stop itineraries, as you suggested. So at the, answer, the short answer is absolutely we want to get back to that point. We are a specialist. We're a point-to-point -point network. And we have uh, nonstop uh, flights between more destinations than our competitors do. We don't hub and spoke. Um, so right. we look forward to getting back to that point. But the traffic levels need to be sufficient to support having a nonstop flight. Uh, right now we're having multiple itineraries over these individual segments in order to support those, uh, those flights. So it's extraordinary times. We've taken extraordinary measures and still been able to uh, keep our family together and serve our customers well. And we'll, we will survive this. And we're going to get on the other side, and then we'll thrive again. Uh, so we just have to get from here to there. The PSP extension yeah. would be very helpful. <laughs> Creative you have been, Gary. Thanks so much, uh, Gary Kelly Thanks for having Southwest us. Airlines. Bet. Great to be with you all. PMI is now on the tape. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Yes, our preliminary September read for markets PMI. Well, on the manufacturing side, 53.5, exactly what's expected. And if we go to services, 54.6, also darn close to expectations. And when you mold them together for the composite, it's at 54.4. And 54.4 is, well, it's as good as the last read, our final August was 
0.6, so you can see how that fits in. And the low read on the composite was 27, and that was back in April. Remember, this series is officially three years old today. It started in September of 2017. So it really gives us a very good view. 27 was the low in April. The all-time high was 56.6, and that was in uh, March, May, excuse me, of 2018. Now, let's get to some data points. And remember, we have supply today. Uh, we have a five-year note auction of record supply of $53 billion. The whole package is of record supply. If you look at a two-day of 10s, you can see it's been mostly lateral right in the mid to upper 60s. And if you open the chart up to early August, you can see that we're closing in somewhat on the middle to top of the range, unlike boon yields, as you see on the same time frame, early August, where it's dipping away. The differential difference between our tens and Europe's tens getting a bit wider. A lot of exchange, foreign exchange volatility. Look at the euro versus the dollar. Uh, dollar at a two-month high. Look at it, euro versus yen. That's at a two-month low. Euro having some weakness, even against the Chinese currency. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right, Rick, thanks for that. Uh, Rick Santelli with the PMIs. We're going to keep our eye on GoodRx making its public debut today. Talk to the company's co-CEO later on this morning. In the meantime, uh, NASDAQ is red. S&P, as expected, meeting some resistance at 3320. We're back in a moment. We got an IPO to get to this morning. It's called GoodRx. It's pricing above the range last night at $33 a share. Values the company at around $13 billion. But before you get excited that maybe we're getting over exuberant again. We got Doug Hurst, and Doug's going to tell you that this is a wildly profitable company, so much like any, very unlike the rest of the IPOs. Doug is the uh, CEO, he's co-CEO actually, and co-founder, and joins us head of the opening trade. Doug, it's always great to see you, and I want people to understand right from the get-go that your company not only is growing like a weed, but is growing profits like a weed. Thanks, Jim. It's great to see you again. You're, you're an inspiration for so much of what we do, actually. So it's great to reconnect. Well, uh, one thing I want people to understand is that you're a company that brings down the price of drugs. Uh, I happen to have an experience how I know Doug is, is that I was paying $5,000 a month for a drug that I had to have. I found GoodRx and they cut it to $1,000 a month. I still don't know how they did it. They do it with scientists. They do it with algorithms. Could you please explain to people, Doug, how you could save someone $4,000 a month on a drug that, by the way, was generic, but it had a particular casing that made it so it was so-called proprietary? Yeah, Jim, it's just insane, right? I mean, the healthcare system in this country is so broken, right? Why should any American have to pay $1,000 or $6,000 or in some cases $2 million for a drug? And what GoodRx does is we just try to get Americans the care they need at a price they can afford. We've been doing that for over a decade now. It's worked out really great because it turns out our healthcare system needs so much help. And we're happy to be there to just help drive savings and give people the information they need so they can be informed consumers just like in any other industry. Let's talk about uh, the idea also of your app, which is what, the most downloaded healthcare app? I'm, I'm going to have to hype it because it's fantastic, but this is uh, something that a lot of people who have uh, expensive drugs know to download. Yeah, I mean, it's super easy, right? Consumers just come to GoodRx, they download the app, they type in the name of their drug, we even help them spell it, and then we show them prices at pharmacies nearby, like, and the prices vary tremendously. It's super easy to use, and if there's a discount that works, you just show it to the pharmacy. We also do telemedicine as well. We uh, provide telemedicine services so you can see a doctor online and get a prescription even sent to your house. It's so easy, and that's what, that's what we're most all about, really. You know, Doug, a lot of people felt it's too good to be true. You get a coupon, you go to CVS, they honor the coupon, but they do. That, that's the goal, right, is to have a business that works and works right and helps people save. And that's what we've always been focused on, honestly. I mean, my greatest pleasure working at GoodRx is we're just a patient-first organization. We've always been that way. We want to reward our shareholders. We want to reward the amazing people that work here. But we're always focused, first and foremost, on what's best for the American patient, who honestly these days really needs help. Well, I think it's important in an era of tremendous cynicism that because of your patient focus, which, by the way, is the same focus that Mark Benioff has at Salesforce, and because you're using your business as the greatest platform for social change in the healthcare business, that you actually can make a lot of money being good. Yeah, I mean, it's this incredible flywheel that we have where, you know, the better we do as a business, that means we're helping more people. You know, we help over 18 million people a month. Uh, you find, uh, sorry, over 18 million people at GoodRx have found savings and basically filled a prescription they otherwise couldn't have afforded. 15 million people a month come to GoodRx to find savings. Uh, we do, you know, over 1,000 telemedicine visits a day. These are all real people that need real help that are making hard decisions about whether it's rent or health care. 
And it's just been such an honor to be able to work at a place where, you know, we can help people and, again, have this very successful business doing it. I also just wanted to mention, Jim, one of the things we're doing as part of this IPO is we're launching a new uh, philanthropic initiative called GoodRx Helps, where we're taking over a million shares from this IPO and dedicating it to the neediest, to the people who even with GoodRx are not finding savings. Uh, and we're going to have basically a very big focus on trying to help people who just simply, even with GoodRx, can't find the help they need working with clinics across the country. Are there, cool. are there people who uh, don't understand that they may be overpaying who should right now go to GoodRx and realize that perhaps they can get considerable savings, as I did? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. People ask us about competition, and our competition is people who just think the old way still works. People who think that that insurance card in their pocket is all they need. And it turns out that it, it's not. And, you know, look, insurance is paying for less and less, and prices keep going up for everything. And we're just here to educate people and give people the resources they need so they can be smart consumers. We're so proud that we've saved Americans over $20 billion since inception. Honestly, this is the blessing of my life that I get to work here with these incredible people. And, yeah, we just want to help more Americans find the care they need at a price they can afford. Well, look, I want to thank you, Doug. I mean, I, you saved me. I took my bill from 60000 down to 12000 It was a, a live-or-die kind of drug. And I want to thank you. You were the co-CEO and co-founder of GoodRx. I just want to uh, emphasize that the type of thing that Doug's doing, giving the shares away, this is Doug's the way he does thing. I found him on the disruptors, but before that I found him because I couldn't believe how much I was paying for something that was really not worth it. Doug Hurst changed the entire healthcare system for those who bother to take a look at his app. Thank you so much, Doug. Good to see you. Congratulations. Thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. All right, Carl. All right, Jim. We'll see if this opening bounce can hold as the S&P slips into the red. Don't go anywhere. Jim, what's on Matt tonight? I got a company called Anaplan. Frank Calderoni has been around for a long time. It's another one of these software as a service companies that's working. Great to see you guys. That was good, Jim. We'll see you tonight, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Mad Money. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.